Hello everyone, hello everyone. We're live on the scene at Resort Island right now. I am standing right here at the finish line and we've got Mitt and uh, surprise entrant Crispy Pixels on the scene. They're they're in the race right now at Resort Island. They're coming around the pass. I this they're coming real close. This might be a photo finish, folks. Wait, wait, wait. Is Mitt going to the trees? Mitt's running through the trees, directly through the trees. Loop the loops are hard. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sonic. I don't know what to tell you folks, that was definitely a photo finish. We're going to have to see what that one looks like in post. I'm so sorry, we don't have the results immediately. We're going to have to see that one later. Um, we'll try to get you the information as soon as possible. I'm Krep, your reporter for today. I'm, I admit, I was just in the race. I'm really a lot of physical effort. I'm Crispy Pixels. I didn't even realize there was a race going on today. I'm just late for work. And welcome to Let's Talk About Sonic, uh, your favorite podcast about your favorite hedgehog. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about beloved Sega Saturn. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, beloved PC. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. Beloved Nintendo GameCube game, Sonic the Hedgehog R, or Sonic R for short, or Sonic R as I'm pretty sure it's actually properly called. Yeah, I don't think it says the hedgehog anywhere on it. Could you no, imagine there's... if like on the box or something, they, they tried to stick in the hedgehog like they did with CD? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog CD. <laughs> does it say that? Yeah. It yeah, does. It yeah, Sonic, title screen. <laughs> Sonic CD has always been Sonic. Well, it there was a point where it was actually Sonic CD the Hedgehog. Oh no. <laughs> I'm I'm not even kidding. That was actually it was ordered in such a way in prototype builds where the only proper reading of it was Sonic CD the Hedgehog. Wow. Yeah. Sonic R the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic R the Hedgehog. He are a hedgehog. He are the hedgehog. <laughs> And we have a uh, noted Sonic R liker, Crispy Pixels, as a guest today. I love Sonic R so much. It was like probably my first PC game, I want to say. Besides like Freddy Fish and Putt Putt, um, Sonic R was my first PC game. I remember I was actually at a battery store with my mom because she needed like batteries for her watch and they were selling games there. And I had the choice between Sonic R or Crash Team Racing. And I made a very fateful decision that day. Mm -hmm. I think Wild. that decision determined a lot of things for you. It really did. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, at, at the time as a kid, um, like, I had played Majora's Mask already by this point. So the game had been out for a while. Um, so I was, like, kind of disappointed with the graphics on it. I was like, uh, Knuckles looks ugly. You know, his hair's weird and flat, and his shoes aren't even right. <laughs> but um, looking back on it, like I have fond memories of it, like in terms of Sonic, especially. Um, I love the stiffness of the spines, obviously, like that's the inspiration for pointy Sonic. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like compared to the modern games where they're just like exaggeratedly curved, um, they, they feel like they have a lot less attitude to them. Yeah. And um, like... <laughs> Uh, like one of the things I really like about the stiff spine model is that it the point of convergence for the spines like if you were to draw a line through them on what direction they're going the point in front of Sonic's face um, where they converge is like where the player is looking anyway so it kind of directs your vision in front of you by having the spines angled in that way that's interesting I hadn't actually looked at it that way because I've seen a lot of people talk about 
like the design changes, the intent that went into Sonic's model going forward from Adventure. And mm -hmm. uh, they've always brought up the point, which I guess must have come from the devs themselves, that they made Sonic's spines longer at that time, and then longer again, I'm sure, uh, to to make him look better from the back, to emphasize the direction that he's moving. Um, which, like, I guess makes some amount of sense. But you're right that having, having like, perfectly pointed, uh, maybe not, like, super shorter, but still shorter spines relative to modern Sonic, like we see in, like, Sonic Jam and Sonic R, does also point point toward where the player is facing as Sonic. Right, and I think it's just better a better visual aesthetic to have to look at in terms of, like, the back of the player's head. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the pointed angles are just appealing compared to, like, the soft curves of mo modern Sonic. I think the modern Sonic design works well when you have things like physics to put in where the spines can kind of sway or turn as he turns. Yeah, exactly. It, but, or, like, bounce when he runs. Right, but I think in terms of the classic, um, the stiff spines work best mm. because, like, you didn't you didn't have like physics or anything to work into the model. Totally, and like the the low poly look is a lot of Sonic R's appeal these days too. Um, right, it some of it is definitely nostalgia, but some of it is is for sure like I don't know. I guess I guess like not being tired is is uh, being tired is like not the right way to describe it, but like being overly familiar with like the way 3d games look these days where they're they're very high fidelity there's very high detail and going yeah. back to something that's that feels hyper stylized because it's low fidelity and low detail feels like a retreat or like a new a new angle on what things can look like even though it's super old and people might not people might not have even liked how it looked at the time right yeah well i, I feel like when it came out for the Sega Saturn, it was visually appealing. Like if you mm. got it the the same release year or maybe a year after, yeah. But by the time most people were playing it, um, it was already like kind of dated looking. Yeah, easy. Graphics were just quickly developing in this time span. It's funny to think that like Sega's PC lineup for Sonic was Sonic R, and Sonic CD and Sonic and Knuckles Collection, like that. That was what Sonic looked like if you were playing if you're playing him only on PC. So you get right these two games from 1993 and 94, and a, a, a 3D game with a lot going on from 98. Actually, was it 98 or 97? It might have been 97. Might have been 97. Sure. Uh, I would guess 98, but it might have been 97. No, actually, it might have been 97, because now I think about it, Sonic Adventure came out in 98 in Japan and came out in 99 here. Yeah, it was 97. Okay, yeah. yeah. That makes a little more sense. Um, I always think about, like, 99 as being Sonic Adventure's year, but it, it came out in 98 for Japan. That's when development, like, mostly stopped on it, and then it got a lot of optimizations and bug fixes and small tweaks for the, for the international release. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it before briefly in a different episode, how uh, there's a little bit of the development overlap between Sonic R and Sonic Adventure. Uh, I mentioned, especially in, in editing notes, that uh, Tails Doll was designed by a level designer for Sonic Adventure. Um, so I guess the design might have been extrapolated uh, from for Sonic R. And then 
Metal Knuckles was designed by Yuji Uokawa, which like really shows with the claws. Oh, I actually didn't know that. That's really cool. I knew that about Tails Doll, but I didn't know that about Metal Knuckles. That's awesome. Right. It was um, uh, Kazuki Hoshino only mentioned it on Twitter like in March of this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But it, I suppose people could have guessed beforehand. I kind of had like the inkling because Metal Knuckles claws really remind me of Chaos's. Yeah, I could see that now. Um, I really thought that Metal Knuckles was designed by Traveler's Tales. I'm really surprised that he wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not sure how much design stuff they brought to Sonic R. I, I'm guessing that Traveler's Tales was mostly there as a programmer and game designer because, right. my god, they were really good at that. There was a little bit of design used in Eggman because of the... Like, the slightly different Eggmobile. Oh. Yeah. I never even noticed he had a slightly different Eggmobile. Yeah, it's got, like, that little um, rocket on the bottom of it that launches. Oh, that's true. I just never really considered that as something that affects the design, I guess. Let's see. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, it went through yeah. revisions. Like, in one of the betas, it had a more angry-looking rocket that <laughs> got swapped out. Oh, oh that's yeah, funny. I remember that. Didn't even know. So the development of Sonic R, as I understand it, was Traveler's Tales was sitting here one day making a Formula Racing game, a Formula One racing mm. game. And like in the middle of developing this, Sega was like, okay, we messed up. Um, Sonic Extreme isn't going to work out, but we need a 3D game for Sonic. So here's some assets for Sonic Adventure that we've been working on. Turn your Formula One game into a racing game. And Traveler's Tales was like, oh, uh, this, are you sure? Because that doesn't really work whatever we'll make it work we'll just give it a jump button <laughs> and so it plays like a racing game with cars with a jump button on it which i think is what a lot of people um, stray away from the game for because it's got like these slippery controls you can't turn very easily because it's yeah. as though you're driving a car but you're on foot so the visual disconnect there uh, makes it hard for people to pick up yeah it took me a long time to get used to it Right, and that's where characters like Amy I really like because she still represents that car phase of the development because she's literally in a car. Mm -hmm. It yeah. makes a little more sense. And it's funny because that's pretty much exactly why you have like an accelerate button, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a dedicated accelerate button, and then if you're playing on a controller, the triggers are more or less dedicated drift buttons. Right, yeah, and drifting is a thing even, even though they're on foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always felt like the drifting feels uh, even closer to like a, a hard turn button like the F-Zero games have. Right, yeah, yeah definitely. And the, the jump feature definitely feels like an afterthought. Because um, like the abilities don't really help a whole lot. Um, it depends on the character, though. Like the character balance mm. is horrendous in this. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that comes from... A lot of people, when they think of racing games, they think of the multiplayer aspects, and this does have multiplayer to it, but it's very clearly built as a single-player experience. Yeah, absolutely. The way that it has the different collectibles and all the tracks. Yeah, and like the shortcuts are not shortcuts, they're long cuts. So this game sort of <laughs> it incentivizes exploration in a game that's about maximizing your time around the track, or minimizing, right. I guess. And it is like a really fascinating single-player experience, but I don't know, like, I, I wasn't I wasn't there there in 1997. I didn't have a Saturn. I was three years old. So, like, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know for same, sure, but actually. I wouldn't be surprised if people were very like uncertain how to take that at the time because your multiplayer is what racing games had been unless it was an arcade experience. Yeah, and then on top of that, a lot of people were just ad adjusting to the 3D aspects of gameplay. So to have slippery and clunky controls on some people's first introduction into 3D was just a horrible combination. Mm -hmm. um, it, it did kind of give like a benefit of the doubt sort of thing. Like maybe they just haven't figured out this 3D thing yet, but it wasn't necessarily that they hadn't figured it out and more that they were figuring it out in a different direction before completely 180-ing. Yeah, because it, it's... Is a Formula One racing game. It was not intended to be. Uh, it was not intended to be an on foot racer and feel like an on foot racer. Right. But it, I still think they did the best that they could with it. Like I love the visual aesthetic of all the stages. I think it's clever that they all have R names. Yeah. Um, to go with Sonic R. <laughs> I'm I'm really into silly uh, thematic stuff like that. And I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is better than the game itself, honestly. And I say this as a known Sonic R lover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, it was like maybe a month and a half ago that I just played a bunch of Sonic R net play with Mitt. Do you remember that, Mitt? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not too distant. Um, and it was a good time, but it was also just like, it, it was just very like what it was. Uh, playing through Sonic R these days is like, a little flat um especially because it's a very one and done kind of experience if you're going for getting all the emeralds getting all the characters you kind of sit down and learn the courses briefly and then do it and then it's done you play through radiant emerald once or twice uh you try out supersonic and you've pretty much seen all the all there is to do in the game and if you want to play more multiplayer you kind of can but uh, as a single player experience or as a cooperative multiplayer experience uh, it's it's pretty short and lacking uh, people people pretty much know that about sonic r's five courses which like makes some amount of sense for the way it's structured especially if you look at the amount of of depth each course has they have a lot of like overlapping elements tons of side paths which is where all like the collectibles are um but it's still just five courses like Super Mario Kart, a Super Nintendo game had. What, 30, 25, 25 courses, I think 25. Did it have that um, many? I mean, granted. It might have only been 20, but I think Super Mario Kart had five uh, cups, right? It had four I, to start with and you unlock special. I never played Super Mario Kart. I think Kart. so, because keep in mind, it's, it's a weird thing to compare it to because it being 2D tile maps um yeah and there's only so many tile themes to go with it they and, can like, be a shorter. lot more yeah yeah and they could be a lot more liberal with it um that's true i guess i guess like a fair comparison point and something that was even recent at the time i believe mario kart 64 was a 1996 release so yeah. uh just reaching over like mario kart 64 that's a game that has um has 16 courses and th those still have a fair bit of depth and replayability to them now yeah so sonic r is like fun and enjoyable but it is brief and not it, it's hard to like make it last by True. comparison um i do i do kind of appreciate the length of it though because it's one of the it's one of those games that i just keep going back to after a while where i'll just you know sit down and play sonic r for two hours 100 percent the game and it's like boom 
Yeah. Um, it's not something I need to like commit my whole day to or anything. And I don't know the way I space it out. It feels somewhat fresh again every time. Like I have to relearn the maps and mm. everything. But um, I don't know. It's a fun game to just like pick up and run through again. If I were to like speed run a game, I would do this game. That makes a lot of sense because I think that kind of puts it in line with other Genesis Sonic games at the time. Yeah, definitely. Lord knows I spent a lot of time, relatively speaking, just sitting down with like Sonic 1 or Sonic CD or Sonic 3 or Sonic 2, just playing it through just in a day, like over the course of uh, an hour to an hour and a half to two hours, just just for fun. Yeah, just because you can just do that. Because those games are fun to, to go through again. It's it's a lot like um, when you skip all the filler episodes of an anime. When you rewatch <laughs> it, you're just going through it and enjoying it, not having to commit all this ridiculous amount of time to it. I like that. That's a fun comparison. <laughs> yeah, there, I think um, there isn't anything inherently wrong with Sonic Art being a breezy experience, but it, but it definitely is. Like yeah it's a, something to kind of accept about it yeah it would be nice to have more levels um i really wish the modding scene had had more in that front like different right. tracks to go on anything to get the game like a little more longevity mm -hmm. you can tell they definitely struggled with like the size constraints of the time because 3d was like really high um storage space at the time and like that's part of the reason why knuckles's shoes are incorrect it's not because they forgot or didn't have the right reference it was because they didn't have enough space on the texture files so they just mm. reused tails shoe texture and called it a day oh that makes sense jeez yeah so i think it's kind of clever how they they did try to give us more content in the terms of like having other characters who are mirrors of the existing characters like mm -hmm. just slightly different um, with less animation at that because they don't have to do the whole walk they can just float huh. um, the way the metals do or robots in general which i really love the the concept of the main three having like an eggman creation equivalent um it's i, th I think that's something that sonic fans in general have always wanted yeah but what I what I really appreciate about Tails Doll's design is that it kind of shows how Eggman views the trio and that Sonic is a potential weapon, but Tails is like a child's plaything. Yeah, I, I love and, that reading. And I think if they were to continue that sort of reading into Knuckles rather than making a metal Knuckles, which does make sense, Knuckles could be a powerful weapon. Um, I think it would make more sense thematically in a post Sonic Adventure world to make Knuckles a puppet. Huh. Mm -hmm. rather than a robot or a doll because that's how Eggman sees him I think that's also yeah I think that's super interesting I, I'd love to see that idea explored because they haven't not to say that they've done that much exploration with Metal Sonic anyway like ever True. since ever since like Chaotix onwards Metal Sonic has been a very like shows up either for fun kind of character or shows up because they have some sort of one note idea for him that doesn't have much interesting going on like they they did it one time in heroes having metal sonic like have bigger bigger aspirations than being the creation of dr eggman and doing all of his work and then he's just gone um mm -hmm. in in forces he exists just to 
just to be there, just to be one of Sonic's antagonists that he could recognize and, and uh, mention by name. True. And yeah, it, it's just hard to I, it's hard to feel like they have concrete ideas of what they want to do with Metal Sonic, even though he started from such a, a really strong thematic place. And if they were ever to really capitalize on that idea again, it would follow to capitalize on Ape Man's perception of other friends of Sonic, too. Yeah, definitely. And like, I don't think it's like, I think a lot of Sonic in general right now is kind of caught in a like a weird sort of pupa state. Like they already ran with the ideas that they wanted to run with and they did what they wanted to do. And now it's sort of now what? Like, what do we do with these characters now? And I think they've been kind of stuck in that phase for a while. Yeah, um, I would say like at minimum the last 10 years, but I could I could easily understand people saying longer like the last 15 years yeah we're like post sonic ova it really felt like okay they did all their ideas they don't really know what to do now <laughs> or sonic adventure even sonic adventure was a phenomenal um game in terms of story and everything that they wanted to do but i think post sonic adventure they just sort of lost track or forgot where they were going with it yeah or, or like at the very least, they forgot where they were going with things they already had, and they got really hooked on some new ideas, and they did see those ones through, but it it, it definitely felt like disconnected from ideas they brought up before. Yeah, and I think another reason why Sonic R is such a an important game for me is that it represents that phase of Sonic where we were sort of like, what's next? Right. Like People were all excited to find out what was coming from the series and what they could do with it. And there was just so much imagination to capture in that era. Of course, people were really excited for Sonic Extreme, and then that fell that fell very through, and we got Sonic right. R, and there's a lot to read into Sonic R. Like, of, of course, people see characters like Metal Knuckles and Tails Doll, and, and their gears start turning as to what these characters actually represent, what they do, and who they are. And you, you get stuff like people uh, focusing on the creepy aspects of Tails Doll and coming up with all sorts of stories, and... Uh, playground rumors for for creepy stuff and like that's all in good fun just because these are these are little things set out for us that that could be explored more right yeah exactly um and i remember being a sonic fan during that era of the tails doll copy pastas or creepy pastas um I was really upset by the memification of the song Can You Feel the Sunshine because that was a good song and it just became <laughs> equivalent to creepy bloody tails doll image. Yeah. But it's fine because a lot of other tracks on the game are just as good, so I can always just move to the next one. Yeah, I mean that just brings us back to the music. Like Can You Feel the Sunshine people people have memified that one a lot, like you mentioned, uh in ways different from just like associating it with the creepy aspects of Tales Doll and, and making it a, a less than innocent song. It's also just people treat it like a joke, but uh, it's still good. Uh, the rest of the songs in the soundtrack are really good. I'm a big fan of Back in Time, the track for Regal Ruin. Uh, TJ Davis, the vocalist brought on for all the songs, does a great job. She puts a lot of, of fun energy and sometimes emotion into yeah, the definitely. vocals for all the tracks. And I like them a lot. Um, I actually think Back in Time is one of the weaker tracks for me. Oh, funny. Um, I like You're My Number One, Work It Out, and Living in the City. Probably mm. are my top three. I also like Work It Out a lot. 
and probably live in the city after that too i do like working out is just so good it's so good i like diamond in the sky a bit but i think i like it a little more instrumental um there's something about like the backing track where i like i like some of the the aspects going on in that melodically more than i like it with the vocals on top of it yeah i could i could see that um that would probably be my number four pick Diamond mm-hmm. in the sky i like diamond in the sky a lot i think that's my favorite song in sonic r um it's been a while since i just like sat and listened to it but i think that's the one that i just like the most because it's like the kind of song that i like and i feel like i like living in the city like quasi ironically because i just think of uh the remix that's in sonic gems Sonic Gems has some weird remixes of Sonic R music. Like, there's an acid remix of Can You Feel the Sunshine? Yeah. I need to look at those again, because I forgot about that. Sonic Gems has, like, a remix of Underground Zone from Sonic 2 Game Gear and Master System, and, like, I, I feel like up until it got another remix last year, th- that was, like, the only acknowledgement that, that Sonic 2 Game Gear has gotten outside of just being poured into everything. Yeah. Sonic Gems is so weird in that respect because like you get the uh the Daytona dude whose name I cannot remember offhand, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I figure you would probably know offhand more than me, maybe. No. I, I feel like I knew at some point I'm gonna do that thing where I just go and look it up. Okay. Mr. Daytona. Yeah. Mr. Daytona has has done like a vocal remix for um I don't know if it's actually the name of the track from Sonic the Fighters, but I know in Sonic Gems it's called Fairy of AIF. Yeah. Daytona Jones. It is Takenobu Mitsuyoshi. There we go. Thank you. Yes. I, I would also like to shout out his excellent vocal work on the F-Zero medley in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah, that's also very good. Yeah, that was amazing. One of the best tracks on Ultimate, which has so many good tracks. One yeah. of the most insane things that they did for for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and yeah, that game honestly, has a bunch of different characters from unexpected games in it. I, I right. feel like that's like the standout remix in Ultimate, and Ultimate probably has some of the best remixes in the series since Brawl. Yeah. yeah. What a tangent. <laughs> you know, right, it's sometimes... been 10 minutes, no more Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get that. No one's going to understand this joke. Keep it in anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if we even keep the whole Smash Brothers tangent. Oh no, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna keep yeah. this part we gotta. It's it's too honest. <laughs> it's too honest to the kind of people we are. <laughs> real talk with crispy pixels. <laughs> Let's real talk about Sonic. Like all of it. Yeah. I had I had like one other major thought about Sonic R um that wasn't about anything that's in the game, but I don't know if we're like done talking about things that are actually there or not, or done talking about like the culture around the game and what's actually in it. Yeah, I mean we've been kind of like bouncing back and forth, like talking about what's in the game, what could be in the game. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I think like you could add more courses to Sonic R. You could do stuff like that. You could add more mechanics to it. You could change the way it controls. I think like the easiest thing that would um. That would be interesting, though probably wouldn't add that much more depth to the game, but people will want it anyway, is more characters. I was trying to think before we started recording what kinds of other characters they would have even pulled for, if they could have. 
I hadn't considered like your point about limited uh, limited space in the disc and limited space for textures and like for characters yeah. before now. But if they had more room to work with, what other characters from the era they would have actually pulled from? Because, you know, there were a lot, but there also weren't that many. And like, yeah. I think they would have gone like the route of Sonic Drift and probably added Fang. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Especially because like he has a vehicle. Yeah, I feel like he's the only one they would add because like if you're talking specifically about the era, I don't think they're gonna add Beaten Park. No, they're not gonna add Beaten Park. The the only other thing I could have considered for the chaotics, like oh, they yeah, probably would have done Mighty. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think like, uh, if they wanted to add like parts of the chaotics, like like fighters did with having just Espio, or if they wanted the whole chaotics, um, Charmy would be interesting because he's tiny. I don't know what other kinds of things they would do to differentiate the characters mechanically, since everyone has their own ability. I mean, for the most part, I, I think about Egg Robo, who has, like, nothing. Right. <laughs> well, he still, I think he still has the gun mechanic. Um, it's just his gun instead of the missile thing. Like, oh. It's not, like, unique. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that does mean, like, it's not unique, you're right, but yeah. he does have something. Um, I did always find it, like, funny that Eggman and Egg Robo only have like a context sensitive ability compared to everyone else who can just use their thing whenever. Well You know what character I would like to see is the Traveler Tales logo character. That would be cool. Interesting Paul. Interesting Paul. Tangentially speaking, they should also put that in the Lego games. <laughs> yes. Bring them back. Bring them back. But uh, didn't they at some point stop putting that character in the logos? Yeah, now it's just yeah. two T's. It's the most boring Lame. thing. Mm. Biggest Lame. downgrade ever. You can't play. Yeah, where's the traveler? No, you can do that in no Diddy traveler. Kong Racing. That's the only. That's the only game I know where you can play as two T's. You know no what? No traveler, only tails. You're right. <laughs> also, to bounce back on, a, on an earlier point, I think Amy technically has a context sensitive thing because you don't get her boost all the time. It has to recharge. Yeah, that's Amy's sort of ability. They can't jump either, but they can turn their car into a boat over water, and that's the only thing jumping is used for anyway. Yep, I guess that's true, yeah. I guess um, hers feels more immediately usable since it doesn't require someone else to be on the track in front of you. Yeah. Right. I think um, in terms, like, if you were to go and play Sonic R for the first time, I think Amy would be the good place to start just in terms of tutorial. Like, don't worry about the race, getting first place or whatever. Just mm -hmm. play as Amy to try to figure out the controls. Yeah, and figure then, out the controls and, like, explore the tracks. Yeah, and then you can go and try to win races. Yeah, That's honestly kind of wild because I feel like Amy's handling is so different compared to everyone else that I always just kind of default to Sonic, which... I, I feel like you're also not really supposed to do that with the actual 2D games because he's a little bit harder to handle compared to, like, Tails because he can't fly or recover or anything. Right. But uh, yeah. I feel like just playing him because there's not really a whole lot to him and his handling is, like, okay enough and you could just meter your acceleration. Uh, he's, he's pretty easy to get a grip on. Plus, like, you get characters like Metal Sonic who are just all acceleration and poor handling. So I guess in mm -hmm. that respect, he is still pretty decent i've always considered considered knuckles to be like the the all-rounder of sonic r his handling is like a little tighter than sonic's he doesn't go quite as fast but yeah. he still has good acceleration so yeah. he he's able to get around just fine and the gliding also allows you to uh go over some stage obstacles or annoyances 
in a ways that like Sonic quite can't. Yeah. Yeah. I really I really appreciate the way they handled um the way you unlock characters like the secret race you have to do with them. Mm. Because the robots are not only faster than you, but they also take shortcuts. Yeah. So if you're paying attention to where they're at on the map, you can learn shortcuts that right. way. Right. And I remember I was struggling for the longest time the first time I was trying to unlock Metal Knuckles because he was doing that skip on the loop. And by the time he would do that skip, I would be too far behind him and I wouldn't see him doing it. <laughs> but one time I saw him do it and I was like, oh my God, you can just skip the whole loop. And that saves so much time. No wonder I can't beat him. And I was finally able to do it. I always like the character unlocking stuff because it reminded me of Smash Brothers and like other fighting games on console. Yeah. True. There's just something there's something inherently fun and satisfying about playing a game and then the game being like, whoa, someone's here. You'd be like, someone's here. And then you have to challenge them and then you get to be them afterward. Like that's that's just a cool sequence of events. There's a real other person in my game. Right. That's something that really only um, happened in that era of gaming, too, like before everybody was terminally online. <laughs> um and you just like knew all the content to a game before you even go into it. It was like anything could happen when you got that challenger approaching thing. Like exactly. They throw anybody at you and you'd be just as surprised. Even as late as like, great, we've managed to get on another Smash Brothers tangent. But <laughs> even as late as uh, is Brawl, um, Brawl was like the last Smash Brothers game where you just didn't, you didn't know everything that was in it mm -hmm. or how to get everything that you did know about it. Uh, until you actually sat down and played it because like they were revealing characters left and right in the smash brothers dojo but they still left like a handful unknown before the game came out and they didn't tell you right. how to get anyone i remember i had like a really strong memory for some reason of of going online within like a few days of brawl coming out and and asking around like how do you unlock falco i can't figure out how to unlock him everyone's giving conflicting info mm -hmm. yeah the era of the internet where people were just saying stuff to say stuff yeah i can't tell if i feel nostalgic for those times or not it's like a really specific know. time i'm sure this generation's gaming is gonna have similar feelings it's not gonna be the same thing but they're gonna have similar moments and i think it's probably captured most in Fortnite's like season events because you have no forewarning on what that's gonna be yeah oh huh yeah so I, I would say that's the modern day gaming equivalent of that feeling that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because that, that's... Cause I, to keep going on Smash, uh, that's kind of what they do with their character reveal trailers is that it's more of like a, a public... A, a public unlocking event, so to speak. So like everyone mm -hmm, kind of right. together experiences what it's like to, to see what this new character is and who they are. But it's... It, it's... I don't know. Because... The practical part of my brain is like, yeah, I don't really like unlockable characters in games like that. In Sonic R, it's like, yeah, it's it's cool because there's a whole collection mechanic and, and getting all the uh, the medals in each level has its own challenge and reward and you explore the level to find that and it's cool. And that's how the game kind of pushes its longevity. But with something like Smash Brothers or a fighting game where it's like, oh yeah, you got to do this completely cryptic unknown thing. Or you can cheat and do the adventure mode to unlock them. And that's, I guess that's more of like a, a word of mouth type deal. You can't do that as much now. Not so much because of, of everyone being online, because that word of mouth will still 
spread, but they'll they'll just be more truth to it. So it's not like you got to wriggle out the truth from like kids on the playground, but like data miners kind of get in the way of that. Like a game will often get leaked in data mine before it even releases. Now, if it's a big enough release, because yeah. people break street dates. So yeah, exactly. The thing that I think about that like makes me feel some positivity still toward like character unlocks in these kinds of games is um especially with like you talking about smash brothers character reveals these days being like a, a public unlocking event i think that's really interesting what what that loses out on is the thing that i like which is uh, learning how to get a character in a game and then playing that same game with like a, a younger sibling or a nibbling or or just someone else someone else younger than you years down the line who doesn't know anything about this game yeah. and either them figuring out on their own how to unlock something or you showing them and like seeing that sense of wonder like that's that's unforgettable i love that experience i've had that experience with um multiple nibblings of mine playing through the smash brothers games in post mm -hmm. that's one of those things that you really have to balance out in the game design though there has to be an effort to reward ratio where like in melee you had to leave you had to have like a total match time of like what was it 40 hours before you unlock Mewtwo I think it was 20 but like that was still a yeah. lot for the time because yeah. like that's that's either a lot of matches or that's a handful of really long matches yeah. and a lot of people don't play fighting games that long like seriously so the effort to reward ratio there was off there was way more effort than the reward was worth but mm. if you can strike that good effort to reward ratio then it becomes that fulfilling feeling like it's nice and you want to keep playing the game because of it yeah yeah i mean and i have a i have a thing about that in specific because it it's weird because the way you would get around that is you would just leave the gamecube on overnight you would just have an endless match going on overnight and you would just kind of let it sit and, and rack up the hours yeah yeah and i feel like that has its own kind of whimsy to it like Hey, I heard that if if you leave the GameCube on overnight in a, in a match, <laughs> you get Mewtwo. It's like what? Right? Yeah. How, what? How does that make any sense? How does it know I'm doing that? And, like, and then you do that, and it works, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, and like when when you break it down to oh yeah, you got to spend twenty hours in matches, which is absurd. But when you you break it down that way, and you get kind of creative about how you have to unlock it, then it becomes way more memorable. It's it's kind of like stupid stuff in Pokemon where it's like, oh yeah, if you hold the the 3ds upside down while it evol while it levels uh -huh. up, it'll evolve. Like that's stupid, right? But like, yeah, it's cute. That my brain just did like that that lovely ADHD thing of of um thinking about a subject, jumping to a solution, to a solution, to a solution for like each subsequent issue that comes up with the solution. My brain jumps to, and <laughs> uh, I eventually settled on. Right, we need to decentralize all of the internet again um, because uh, <laughs> that'll I, fix all the game design problems. Yeah, that that'll fix all the game design problems because I was thinking about how uh, people have been talking a lot about how the game industry, the gaming industry, has been really secretive for too long, and uh, there, there's not a lot of fundamental fixes to that. Except that the reason it's so secretive is because devs think they need to hide what they're working on so that people don't know too much about it by the time it comes out and yeah. make it an, a, a less fulfilling experience. And part of that is that people will um, try to get information on games before they come out. People will data mine them from before they come out from demos or from uh, from stuff leaked by devs, people who are working within the industry, et cetera, et cetera. And then that jumps to, 
oh, well, if people weren't forced to see everything that gets leaked and data mined because they're all on the same website all the time, maybe it wouldn't be a problem as much. Yeah, true. Uh, we live in just a really weird time for, for like these convergences of, of industries and medias. Yeah, but I think we're hitting a point where it's starting to find its footing finally. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just always been up in the air for as long as I can remember because like the internet hit us harder than we expected. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. But I think by now, like we've been hit by it, we're winded, but we're catching our breath. Yeah. I think it's gonna the 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 real thing that's on the horizon is uh whether or not we're still gonna have control over how we use the internet. True. That's a huge subject though, which doesn't have enough to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, we got real deep in the Sonic R conversation. That's the sort of places this game will take you. Sonic R will make you think about things like this. Yeah. It contains the secrets to life. I just want everyone to like be prepared. I think you should play Sonic R. I just think that uh, you need to be to be ready to have these kinds of conversations with yourself. Absolutely. You're it's, going. It's you're going to experience new brainwaves. The moment you play Sonic R, you enter the next phase of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playing Sonic R is like the first time you go camping in the backyard and you're just kind of laying out in the grass and looking up at the sky at night. Oh my god. Yes. This is this has nothing to do with anything, but the first time I went camping in my own backyard, I watched Princess Mononoke on a small TV, and that was a bad decision. Yo, because that is a really good it, setting. It's a really good experience. Mononoke. No, it's, it's okay. I mean, it was a bad decision that I was too young to like properly process the the like um, dread slash optimism like in, in conjunction so of, of a movie like Princess Mononoke. Yeah, so it was just scary. So it was just scary. I was I was late in the evening. It was dark, and I was in my backyard alone, and like. I could go inside and see my family whenever, which I did because I was scared. But, but like that didn't that didn't offer me the kind of comfort I needed because I was watching Princess <laughs> Mo Mononoke in the dark in, the, in my backyard, in a in a tent. <laughs> That's still a cool experience, though. My my funny parallel is the first time that I camped out in the backyard in a little tent. I brought out a little TV and I plugged in my GameCube and I played Mario Baseball on it. That's how you camp right there. Yeah, that's tight. Um, so my tangent actually doesn't have to do with camping. But um, <laughs> when it comes to Sonic R, uh, my brother was actually the one that installed it onto the PC for me. Um, so like literally the day we brought it in was when we were both kind of playing it. He was Knuckles and I was Sonic. And then after doing that, he was like, let's go on a mission before dinner and i was like what what mission what are you talking about which my brother is like nine years older than me at that mm. so um he was like we're gonna sneak into the golf course that's like down the road and the way my mom's house was set up there was this lake in the backyard that had a river that went under a bridge that led into this little creek in the golf course so we just went down there and we're like running around just on this golf course in the middle of the night like 8 p.m um and then my brother was like wait oh my god i can't believe this and i was like what because you have a light up shoes on <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh no so we had to go back immediately there's just me sprinting fully across this golf course with my light up sketchers <laughs> oh my god it was fun times that rules honestly <laughs> 
I I didn't know enough people when, when I was younger who had light up shoes. Part of it is that I was homeschooled my whole childhood and adolescence, so I didn't really have that like social aspect anyway. But oh yeah, like I just it it's such an unfortunate uh happenstance of my childhood that i didn't know enough people with light-up shoes i think i had a pair of light-up shoes once and they barely that worked. was like that was the last pair of light-up shoes i ever had <laughs> good good memory to have with it yeah sonic r will make you rekindle memories like this you'll see you'll see your childhood in a new light yeah it'll take you back in time <laughs> it'll make you work it out it'll make you it will uh living in the city <laughs> <laughs> it will make you you're my number one i i'm curious crispy as the uh sonic r expert in this call right now do you yeah. uh do you have any familiarity with like the the nuanced differences between the different releases because i don't i don't know if any one of them is like inferior or anything uh, so the saturn version is superior okay 100 percent um the sega's Sega's hardware always had unique ways of doing lighting, even as early as the Saturn. So there were like early versions of sort of vertex shading where certain parts of the map would have different colors and the character would correspond to those colors as they stood over it. So it looked like a light or something. Oh, oh okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So it, it just had that much more charm and polish to it. Um, some of the textures were more wrong, like Sonic's. <laughs> shoe buckles rather than being on the side of his foot is on top of his foot which huh. later got fixed in the pc version i believe right but did they did they muck up the models a little bit in different places for the pc release i feel like some, uh, some characters eyes got uh less symmetrical yeah so they're, they're in the pc release their blinks are no longer um symmetrical like sometimes they'll blink with one eye <laughs> oh my god and it's just weird yeah and it's like a flicker of a blink so it just looks really uncanny <laughs> so that's another reason why the saturn version is superior but most of that now can be emulated on the pc version because there's been plenty of mod efforts um, oh so like you can get those color effects now yeah huh? i hadn't considered that at all yeah um there's a lot of really good uh sonic r mods i i remember one there was one recently i don't know if it's public or not but the, they added silver the hedgehog or something as a playable character right yes um i need to look up the name of the creator i i really like that creator they they did a lot of the um sonic arm modding like pioneering mm. um so that i have makes a lot sense. of respect for them i just have to um, i'm literally on the sonic R game banana right now trying to find the name of that creator no it'd be good to give them a shout out yeah definitely don't keep in that i forgot their name though that'll be rude <laughs> <laughs> i there's so uh, many mods now, it's hard to find them. That's really cool, honestly, because I don't hear about the Sonic R modding scene too much. Um, yeah. yeah, I well, guess it's just like, you know, take take this statement however you will. It's probably uh, a modding scene that's not very attached to a site like Sonic Retro, which is where I go for most of my, my interaction with Sonic Sonic game modding. Most of, the, most of the mods are asset replacements. I think we've only gotten recently to a point where the models can be swapped out, but most of them are like texture changes and things like that. Right. They're still like, they're still like adding to the game yet, right? Not necessarily. Not as far as I know. Yeah. Um, it's Invisible Up. Shout outs to Invisible Up. They do cool stuff for the Sonic R modding community, and I appreciate their work very much. Shout outs to Invisible Up. Shout outs. 
it, it's really cool to know that the Sonic R modding community is like burgeoning at all. That's that's really neat. Yeah. It makes me think about how Sonic the Fighters modding is starting to take off just a, just a little bit because there's like a, a handful of people really dedicated to starting to disassemble the game and and look at how it functions and, and start changing characters, changing character slots, moving models around. Like that's that's where a community starts. Right. Yeah. It starts slowly and then it just sort of snowballs. Which like um, character modding was possible before it was just so convoluted and invisible mm. up was the only one willing to put up with all of it and to figure it out god i'm sure i'm sure but now it looks like they're getting to a point where there's more sophisticated mods it's really exciting i, I want to see sonic r like take on a life of its own oh yeah this wasn't our thought i had earlier but kind of like uh forgot it, we, we spent a lot of time talking about how sonic r is not really an on-foot racer because it doesn't feel like one it was never designed to feel like one necessarily but it still is the only sonic game that is an on-foot racer uh, mm -hmm. all of the other sonic related racing games have had him in a car and nothing wrong with that that's fine people have their beef with that idea for some reason but like why can't sonic be a guy who likes and who likes driving <laughs> he, he can yeah. just enjoy being in a car but he respects sportsmanship yeah yeah of course He's he's good. He's nice to others on the track, aside from when he's tossing uh, puffer fish at them in, in the Sega racing games. Blowfish! <laughs> yeah, those games have weird items. Um, but but yeah, the like the other follow up to what Sonic R could be is like is like a thought experiment is is like a proper sequel. And I don't know that I think the big question on that forefront is would Sonic R would a sequel to Sonic R be an actual on-foot racer and feel kind of like that or would it just continue to have like the veneer of an on-foot racer and feel still more like a traditional racing game so in terms of a sonic r sequel i just want to know i hate that team sonic racing yeah. used yeah. the r because that was a huge misleading thing like especially when that was how you revealed the game was just the r itself yeah for real like, that's just the whole bait and switch that was rude just staying on that subject for a sec that's just like been Sega's MO, Sonic Team's MO in the last decade of of kind of stringing people along with stuff they're familiar with in order to like get them hooked on a product they still don't know anything about. I think about mm -hmm. how like even though Sonic Forces reveal trailer did tell us a good bit about the kind of like the tone of the game and the setting, uh the fact that it had classic Sonic as a, as a forefront thing in the reveal trailer was very like, y'all loved Sonic Generations. We're giving you more of that, except we're not actually right it's that bait and switch i i'm not a fan of it no it, it's it's been really weird kind of again goes to what you were saying where it, it feels like they haven't really known what they're going to be doing next and they haven't really known how to keep people invested in what they're doing next either right um but yeah in terms of what it could be as a sequel i think sonic r is one of those game concepts that are better in theory than in practice. I don't think an on-foot racer could ever really work very well in terms of Sonic gameplay. Mm. Um, it would just be... Like, I know there's Sonic Battle R now and things like that, but I don't see the concept of um, racer and 3D platformer meshing very well. Um, it would be a really niche market to try to hit. It's like the same kind of people who race speedrunning games so that's essentially what it would feel like, I imagine. Yeah. I, I have know. I have two thoughts on that front. Yeah, you think of it? 
Yeah, because there's definitely a handful of speedrunning platformer games or like racing platformer games. Like the mo- the most notable one is literally just speedrunners, even though that's 2D. I was thinking speedrunners also. Yeah. But yeah, it's 2D. I, I think that you could have something with uh, the boost gameplay and have that be a proper racer, which I do think is what Sonic Battle R goes for, memory serves. Um, yeah. I think it, it also mostly falls down to um, how do you want to design a Sonic moveset that would work both in 3D and in the context of a, a, a racer platformer? Um, because Sonic hasn't concretely decided on what it wants to be for step one yet. Um, but like that's kind of thing with using the boost games as a as a foundation for that too. Because if yeah. Sonic has the boost, it it either goes that everyone else needs to have the boost too, just to compete, or they need to have some sort of big advantage, either in a different mechanic or in the level design. I think about like Sonic Riders has a somewhat similar thing going on, not fully because the speed yeah. gimmick is the the rails that are on the courses, but it well, there's it, also the waves. The airwaves. That's yeah, true. The turbulence. Yeah, because because the thing that Sonic Riders does to differentiate its different character types is to give them different ways of interacting with the track using set pieces. And if the tracks yeah. are all designed in a balanced way, that kind of works out. But it still feels strange because it's hard to it's hard to equate the advantage you get from taking a rail shortcut versus taking an air boost shortcut versus busting through some some breakable object that lets you go into a different part of the track shortcut. Like, are they the same length? Do they equal out? Does playing one one character type on this track give you an advantage versus other character types or not? Uh, um, I can answer that. You would have to assume that this is like a balanced game. Like this is a, where you've had time to balance it out so that the shortcuts should even out to taking the same path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, honestly, Sonic Riders did a lot of things right. I think that is the key like transforming the sonic formula into a racer format because it's got the cool attitude and um, aesthetic of sonic while still being the sort of racer gameplay you expect from like mario kart yeah in terms of like the multiplayer experience anyway um Mm -hmm. like the game itself definitely plays a lot different than mario kart but uh for the better i think i really loved sonic riders yeah, it would have been cool if the Sonic Riders series like actually expounded on itself in a direction that was, uh, I don't know, I guess more sustainable or like more more capitalizing on the things that were interesting about the first game. I think what happens a lot with Sega or with Sonic Team is that they get a good idea or a good concept, but then they don't execute it well, and then they just throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Right. They've been doing that a I've... lot. Yeah, because I think that's what happened with Sonic Riders, especially after Zero Gravity. Um, I think that's what happened with really a lot of different games. They just throw the baby out with the bathwater and then don't try to keep what worked with things. Mm-hmm. Don't we like concretely know that the development teams behind the storybook games wanted to make a third one? I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I, I thought know. the storybook okay. games were good. Yeah, I think Another they had case charm. Of, like, poor execution but good concept yeah like it's, yeah. it's one of the times where they actually iterated on what they had in a way for the better black knight step does a lot to to be a good step up from secret rings and it's mm-hmm. it's hard to say what they would have done for a third um but i feel like i feel like they've said in interviews 
at some point that that was that was on the table and then kind of got uh shuffled away when they had to focus on colors and then other yeah. titles after that yeah they just they just uh toss concepts away a lot unfortunately and and some of that is the games industry in general but definitely some of True. it is the way that sonic team approaches their projects yeah yeah they have that um i don't know they get ambitious really easily but then they get hit by like the real world deadlines and they have to cut back the ambition and i think that's what contributes to the um the poor execution of a lot of their concepts yeah for real yeah i was gonna say uh it, it might be a niche it might be like a really small niche to try to hit it might not I would still be interested in seeing a, a 3D platformer racer. I feel like that'd be really interesting. I was always really, really captivated by the circuit mode in Sonic Roboblast 2 before it got deprecated. And like, that's that's something everyone in this call has like seen before, at least. I think um, the circuit mode in Sonic Roboblast 2 is part of the reason why I don't think the concept works. <laughs> You're just trying to do too much at once where you can't, it's hard to find a balance for good platformer gameplay and it's hard to find a balance for good racer ga gameplay so to do both at the same time is a lot yeah I'd, I'd really like to see a team tackle it without it being like a side thing though because i'm sure part of the reason it could never be fully realized in in srv2 is because they had too many other things going on and mm -hmm. e even then the devs at the time before the the massive or like not massive the 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 big changeover in in who was spearheading the project in in recent years like before then they were really focused on the the match sub game instead so it was either the main campaign or or optimizing match gameplay like of course they weren't really going to take the time to figure out how to make circuit work um right. and i don't begrudge the current team for not having that interest either like that's fine that's not really what srb2 is and it doesn't have to be that i still think that while circuit mode as like a as like a touchstone does show a lot of the flaws inherent to the idea of a 3D platformer racer. I still want to see someone try it on its own as a standalone project because maybe they'll have uh, approaches to it that no one's considered before, or maybe they'll have the time to work out problems that people didn't think there was time to work out or didn't think were possible to work out before. Like, who knows? I, I think mm -hmm. the, I think the, the setup is interesting on its own. Honestly, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think it's a cool sounding concept. Yeah. I just have a hard time envisioning it. Honestly, I feel like the the idea of a 3D platformer racer is already pretty popular. And like, it, it exists in places that we don't really think as, I guess, people of our age and our generation, because like, Roblox and Minecraft have parkour maps. Oh, that's true. True. Parkour maps are huge. They are. I mean, even TF2 had them. But like, Parkour maps in general are pretty much the realization of that um, within a, a game that is not built for it. So, like, obviously it can improve, but there is um, there is a space for it, and there is definitely is a popularity for it. And I think there's a way to do it, and I think the challenge is definitely going to be in how do you make Sonic work in it? Because a lot of Sonic's right. mechanics don't inherently really work right off the bat um especially if you take things as they have existed in the past like i i think if you're going to make a game uh like a sonic platformer racer again that's on foot you can't have the spin dash in a way that 
we're used to, like between Sonic Lost World, Sonic Adventure 2, and Sonic Adventure, where you could do it wherever you want. It has to be more like in Sonic R, where you can only do it from a standstill and otherwise you roll. Because otherwise mm-hmm. you completely throw out the balance of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. I think, okay, so if I were to approach this concept in terms of map design, I would want to follow rather than Sonic R obviously had a lot of limitations on what it could do with its map. Mm-hmm. But I would want to try to follow the classic Sonic design aspect of top route faster, but harder to platform, middle route, medium and medium, and then bottom route, easy to platform, but slower. So then you have characters like a good Sonic will be able to keep doing that top route and go faster. But for Tails, it's easy to take that top route. He's going to get the shortcuts no matter what. So he's going to be a little bit slower than Sonic because universe-wise he is, but he just gets those free shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the sort of thing... That's, that's kind of like what I was trying to get at when talking was, talking about Sonic Riders to some degree was uh, the idea of having having character balance factor into uh, how, how well characters can take shortcuts because... Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next character balance factor is skill, and you have to figure out if if a top-playing Sonic will always be able to do a race better than a top-playing Tails just because of differences in speed and acceleration. Right, and yeah. That's, that's such a huge conundrum, and I think someone could tackle it and, and figure out the nuances of it, but my god, it would have to be its own thing. It could, it could never yeah. be a project tied to any other project. Yeah. Yeah, it would be one of those games that come out and then people start comparing it to you know this game like like anytime they see that sort of format used yeah 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 because yeah. with riders um the big thing about that game's track design is that the the paths that you would think are shortcuts aren't really designed as straightforward shortcuts they do act as them but i do think that they're not um they they have a ceiling to them like you can only go so fast on them whereas i think there's ways without taking them that are technically faster um, hmm. So take any grind rail, for example, as a speed type character. You're not using that just for the shortcut. Like you do go a little faster, a little more easily than if you would otherwise. But you're also doing it to to recover your air meter because that's just a free way to get air while keeping a decent pace. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for, you know, power types going down a path where you just barrel through a bunch of cars. Every time you do that, you get more air. Uh, right. And when you're flying through... uh the jet rings in the sky as a fly type character you're getting back air for that so being able to keep your air meter up so you can continue to boost when you're not doing that is a really important factor in playing well in sonic riders and that's why the the skill ceiling is so high is because if you are able to manage your air meter without doing that all the time which is really hard to do because you're pretty much only relying on tricks and item boxes um then I think technically you would be consistently going faster than if you were to take any of those shortcuts. Like, I think with fly type, speaking offhand, um, I think those are the most, like, these are shortcuts from what I've experienced out of the lot of them. So I wouldn't know if there's a directly faster way to do that when you're literally, like, cutting across half the track, like in Sonic Adventure Tales levels. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But... So the way you balance that out in terms of a racer would be that, yes, it's a shortcut, but they have to move vertically and everybody else is moving, you know, horizontally 
or laterally, I suppose. Yeah. Um, in order to get to that shortcut. So that it's kind of like having to stop and wait and take the elevator rather than taking the stairs. Mm. Yeah. So the path overall is shorter, but you have to work to get there. Here's something big I was thinking about with your with your example between Sonic and Tails. If you introduce Knuckles there, then like uh, I could see a Knuckles character being more balanced in like in, in closeness to how Sonic controls in that like mm-hmm. uh, a top plane Knuckles player wouldn't even be gliding and climbing all the time because they would be doing all the platforming just like a Sonic would have to in order to compete with a Sonic. Um, but like they still have that in their back pocket, the ability to to climb to climb and and glide over things uh, in order to get places Sonic can't, and that could give them an advantage. But like Knuckles would be able to stay somewhat close to Sonic if they're doing like the exact same motions through a level. So what I imagine in that top, middle, bottom format for the stage design is that Knuckles is pr- pretty much always going to be riding the bottom if not taking the top whenever possible um, in terms of like clearing larger gaps that Sonic wouldn't be able to with the glide or something. Mm. Sonic, you would have to approach from a design perspective. You want to knock him off the top and get him down to that bottom level. Oh, that's funny. Because that makes him like a battle racer, huh? Yeah, because you would want him on that bottom floor. And I I don't mean that in terms of like as a Knuckles player going against a Sonic. I mean that in terms of like as a map designer designing this map for sonic mm-hmm, you yeah. you want to make it so that it is very difficult for him to take the tails route or the knuckles route he's gonna have to really fight uphill for it and he's gonna end up in that longer stretch at the bottom but it's easier platforming and he can handle it because he's only got his jumps or his double jump or whatever the right. he ends up getting it, something that this is making me realize too is that like a game like this would have a meta similar to fighting games depending on how many characters it has because you'd yeah. be thinking about every race in terms of the matchup against the other characters who are racing with you. Mm-hmm. And I find that idea fascinating. <laughs> I don't know if there's like anything else quite like that. And that's also right. like why I'm an errand with this kind of stuff. It it leans into the same sorts of stuff that gets me interested about 2D platformers, just period. Not not the ones that are that are racers necessarily, but like Mario 2 and Sonic 3, the games that have multiple characters where they can all do different things and go different places. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that stuff, and that's true of fighting games, and that would be true of this too. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, if you were like in a competitive race and everybody's picking Knuckles, that's going to create a lot of traffic down the Knuckles path. Mm-hmm. So there might become a benefit playing Tails or playing Sonic or being somebody else. And that's the meta. Yeah, you create a balanced meta that way and that you don't want everybody playing the same character that no matter what character it is. I feel like I feel like we've managed to get you a little more on board with this idea. I think there's a lot to iron out for it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, for sure. Um and I would love to see someone with with like a really strong a really strong vision and some some good coding some good coding abilities to uh to sit down and try to iron those things out hopefully with some help if anyone's inspired by this just just tell us please and if if you do go to do it just you know to save time use the sonic r assets not because they're the best 3d assets in the series but just to save time yeah they're functional i'm sure like a good a number of um of amateur coders out there know to to be uh asset reusers for their projects 
but it's a yeah, good but reminder. Use the Sonic R assets specifically. Yeah, <laughs> for no particular reason. If we catch you using those Sonic Jam assets instead, we'll know. We can tell the difference. Yeah, there is a difference. Don't even think about using the Sonic Adventure prototype assets. Please email me those. The Sonic <laughs> Adventure prototype assets. I need that. Yeah, I gotta dig them out of my backyard. I buried them. <laughs> I I would say there's no Sonic game that isn't 100% improved by swapping out the model with the Sonic R model. Um, anytime I play a, a Sonic, like a modern Sonic game or a 3D one, I try to find mods for that. Huh. I didn't even consider that because I was, I was uh, thinking first and foremost about like Sonic Adventure. I know people have done model swaps for that that the adventure the one i don't mods. like so much because it's just the head like the body is still the adventure body and it's just the sonic r head i'm not a big fan of that oh really i haven't seen that that that's not yeah. great no but from what i understand it's really hard to do model swaps for sonic adventure so fair mm, okay people are working on it but like lost world and generations that's how i played those games that's funny oh i'm trying to imagine that for lost world I'm sure it didn't improve it that much. It did. It made it a playable experience. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sonic R. It's good. Yeah, it's cool. It's all right. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Sonic R right. Yeah. Sonic R right. All right. It's Sonic uh, R. No, we gotta right? cut this out. That's gonna be the name of the episode. We have to do that. Sonic R right? Yeah. Well, it, it should be like it should be like Sonic's R right. God. Well, no, well, no, we can we can keep it in. It's a reward for the listeners for for sticking around until the end. That's true. Now you know how I we think, got there. Yeah. I think it's a joke that um makes more sense audibly rather than. I know. Anyway. I'm trying to figure out how to how to like type it. I'm trying to figure out how to how to spell it in my head that like works. It's okay. It's rough. All we do here are jokes that make no sense in text. That's true. If anyone like actually understands Sonic 3000 and Sonic Advance 8, you're a real one. Yeah, you've cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us, Crispy. This has been a really fun episode to record. Definitely. Um, I would love to be on more in the future. Yeah, we've got some ideas for that. Uh, if you want to follow Crispy on Twitter, uh, you can go to twitter.com slash crispypixels. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-Y pixels. Uh, it's a great pun. Crispy with an H. I go by that because my name is Chris and my last initial is P. Crispy. Crispy. Wild. Round of applause for, for Crispy, everyone. Uh, you can follow the podcast at twitter.com slash LTA Sonic. You can go look at all the other episodes we put up. Boy, have we put up some episodes at lcasonic.card.co. That's C-A-R-R-D dot co. Where, where can we find you, Crap? Oh, you want to know that? Yeah. You want to know? Mm-hmm. Twitter.com slash Crappy Blue. That's cool. Met? I don't hey, know. Met? I don't know where, where what? Met, do you, are, are you on Twitter? How do we perceive you? <sighs> okay, well, don't tell anyone, but I'm on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for a long time. It's, uh, my, my at is Mitsumi Mario, so don't mm. tell anybody that. I can't believe we've gotten through this whole episode. We didn't talk about Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails once. Like, we did a little bit, but we didn't, like, shout it out. We didn't, like, a- advertise it. We gotta do that. Well, that's what the ad was in the other episode for. 
Yeah, yeah but we're giving I... you airtime. Like when he's on a I was gonna mention like at the start of the episode and just forgot, just completely forgot to say, Hi everyone, this is Crispy Pixels, maker of Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails, that thing that we talked about for like 30, 40 seconds straight, it, it out of nowhere in the middle of episode 10. They make it, they make the pixels. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could go ahead and just go on a tangent about Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails since you guys are asking. Yeah, plug okay. your stuff. Cool. So, I love Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails. They are my creation for SRB2. Um, so, I worked on SRB2 a lot as a kid in like middle school, and then I took a couple of years away from the community, and then I came back. The entire time I was away from the community, I just had all these ideas for gameplay and how I would approach going back and modding SRB2 if I were to pick it back up again. So, once I made the decision to go back, I ran with it. I just had all these ideas sitting in my head and all these different ways that I wanted to try to change the gameplay and fix what didn't work with it and amplify what did work with it. And that all came together in Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tales. So there's just a lot of love and care put into that. You should play them and experience them because truly, as much as I post about them, you cannot get the full experience without playing it in your hands. Yeah, true. So there we go. I think that was a really strong sell. <laughs> I, I recommend that everyone play SRP2 anyway, and if you're going to play SRP2, download Pony Sonic and Fluffy Tales. It's yes. SRP2 is like it isn't necessarily for everyone, but it is by a large margin the strongest Sonic fan game that exists, and like that's for a lot of good reasons. And if you give it a lot of time, I'm sure you will understand why. And also, don't be deterred by like, oh, I don't really want to get into modding games. It's always so complicated. It's not complicated in SRB2. You just literally go to the add-on section on the game menu and press the file and it loads it. It's modded. So it's super easy. It's so good. It's super easy. It's quick and it's understandable. It's super easy. And thank goodness, it used to actually be like a little less intuitive. Well, now it's pretty intuitive. True. And hey, don't tell anyone, but uh, SRB2 actually won't run unless you have Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails, so like, True. better get that. True. Better get it. Sorry, I didn't try to, I wasn't trying to like mislead anyone, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to make an easier, an easier buy-in. You know, it's 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 not too much effort, but if if you think it's a little too, a little too much work to go and download the secondary thing that you need to run the game, then like, I don't know, maybe it's just not for you anyway. Pointy Sonic and Fluffy Tails. You just gotta. You, you just, just gotta. And, you know, if, if you want to, you just gotta back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash LTA Sonic. You gotta. I also don't remember, but just in case we didn't say it, you also just gotta go to our website, which has all of our previous episodes at ltasonic.card. That's C-A-R-R-D dot co. And we'll see you in uh, the next racetrack yeah the next race next time yeah we'll see you in the next race oh it looks like we're getting the results right now the winner was 